0: Welcome to the Hope City Church Podcast. We're so excited for you to listen along and hear this week's message. We pray it inspires and motivates and draws you closer to Jesus. Let's take a listen. Uh, I'm going to chime in with some of the things that Gene said. We're going to make some different points. We're going to go about it a different way. But I want you to look over in First John chapter 5, if you would. And we're going to start there. And I'm going to talk to you about... I'm going to talk to you about prayer, uh, the importance of prayer. Jesus said in Luke, telling the parable of the unjust judge, he said, talking about prayer, then he seemed along about verse 6 or 8, I've forgotten which one it is. He said, uh, but when the Son of Man returns, will he find faith on the earth? So there's a direct link between faith and prayer. People that believe pray. People that believe actually become prayer. There's a place in the Psalms, it's in Psalm 109, where David said, for my love, people do this to me, but I become prayer. Different translations say it different ways. Some of them say, but I pray, but the preposition's missing. And what it says baldly is, but I prayer." So you should know that, that all of your life, even your circumstances, from God's point of view, it's not so relevant who caused it or what happened. What's relevant is how you respond to the circumstances of your life. That's where salvation is shown. People don't look around and judge you based on what goes on in your life. They look at you and judge you as to whether you're a believer or not by whether you can take your circumstances and still find Jesus Christ inside of those circumstances. Whether it's to find a way out, a way through, whatever it might be. So all of your life, from God's point of view, regardless of who did what to whom or why, it's always so unfairly an opportunity, if not an outright test, for you to turn to God in prayer and find him hiding in the corners of your life and of its circumstances. Amen. Church is over. (laughs) <laughs> I'm glad too. <laughs> it takes a lot takes a while to figure that out because what we what we really want, whether we admit it or not, is to be able to go through life and have the Lord sort of be our supercharger and help us go do what we want to do the way we want to do it. Some of us take decades me, to learn to distinguish even... Plausibly between my own will and the will of the Lord even when I thought I was doing the will of the Lord It was always iced with my own appetites with my own taste with my own ideas So that's part of that's just growing up part of that's maturing But part of it is coming back down to your choices that you and I make About who we want to be and about how we want to go about being that individual now in the future uh, while it's a good thing to talk about church dynamics, it's a good thing to talk about the, the, the body being assembled. We're going to talk about that in just a second. I won't keep you all morning either, but we're going to talk about the body being assembled. But you know, the material that the body's assembled with has to have a certain amount of integrity. You don't build a, a block wall like that with faulty blocks. Right, right. The blocks themselves have to be able to bear the weight. Yes, so, for all of the church practice in the world where you try and build a church, if you build with faulty material, that church crumbles. So it's a twofold expression. Anytime you give leadership to a church, you're trying to build something as you knit by the Word and Spirit of God, people's hearts and their lives and their giftings together. But at the same time, you've got to say enough to them and you've got to deal with enough to so say, you know what, there's, there's too much, there's not enough sand in this cement. There's no cohesion here. There, it's, it's got too many air bubbles in it, and when we start building up from the ground up, it's not going to bear the weight. So all the parts, the frame, whether it's brick, whether it's inside, whether it's studs, whether it's drywall, whatever it is, the material has to be first-class material. So rejoice in this. You are first-class material, not just some random brick to be stuck in a wall somewhere. You are... The Lord's choosing, you are the Lord's body, you are the Lord's church, and he is determined to take you, to refine you, to purify you, to strengthen you, sometimes to heat you up in a kiln so that you can endure the pressure and the disappointments of life. We all pray, we all pray things like this, we all pray, Lord, teach me how to love. Anybody ever prayed anything like that? I'm not going to call you out, but i have but how do you think he does that well here's the first point <laughs> write this down and if you don't forget it everything will be okay again so you say oh yes lord i write that down i'll never forget that again and then gene comes into the room and i forget it <laughs> he says well if you really want to know how to love how about you stay with Jean?" Because Gene will give you, uniquely you, certain opportunities to face yourself that nobody else will give you. I'd rather go sit in the other room. You just still keep loving Jean when you don't want to love Jean. Well, Gene makes me mad. Well, of course, but you said you wanted to learn how to love. That's right. Well, yeah, but I didn't mean like that. <laughs> I meant nice. I mean, I want to know how to love nice. I want to be a nice person. I want to have nice people around me. I want to have good circumstances. He says, listen, eternity is a long time. You being the best version of you is the best possible outcome of this life. And whatever happens in this life that you can continue to fall back and grab the word made alive by the spirit of God, as Gene said, so that it comes into your heart, does that much more work to imprint the very nature of Christ on you. So you go into eternity, the best version of you instead of some half-baked piece of brick that wasn't quite paid attention to when the materials were sorted and sifted where they were added sort of casually without paying a lot of attention to what was required to put it all together and you know what in the months in the years in the decades to come until the lord returns you're going to find it both easier And harder to pray you're going to find it easier to pray if you build within yourself the idea that whatever happens is okay I'm going to find Christ in it and move into it and move through it you'll find it harder to pray if you use your faith in your heart frivolously on everything that flies through the air whether you spend your heart and you't you might this might be too much, but it comes to my mind, but for instance, for example, I won't use my heart trying to make the pandemic go away. It doesn't matter if I believe it. I'm not going to use my faith or my heart even arguing any of these points with people or with myself, because I have so little faith it's precious. I need for it to work on what it has to work on, not on Trying to change the whole world because I know that I can't change the whole world because the book's designed in such a way that it says that as the world goes on, it's going to get darker and darker and darker. So I'm not going to be able to turn the light back on. What I can do is use what light I've got to make the best world I can possibly make. So everybody's heart's different. God's got all of us in a different spot. We're growing differently. We're learning different things. You have to be you. I have to be me, you have to use your heart and your faith on what the Lord tells you to use it on, but at the same time, understand it's a fixed commodity that you're going to, i got some money in my wallet, and I can go shop and then I can spend it, but when I do, that money's gone until I put some more money back in my pocket. I don't have an inexhaustible amount of faith. I have the potential to have an inexhaustible amount of spirit and faith, but I have to do what Gene said by the Spirit. I have to feed on the Word of God. If I spend it all, I have to have some more. And if I spend it all and I don't have some more in there, then I end up going through life being disappointed that what I've spent it on wasn't really what I wanted to have. Is that too abstract? I could spend my life on doing what I want to do the way I want to do it and call it Christ but if I increasingly teach myself that there's some mystical reason why I didn't get answers or my world didn't change that my circumstances didn't change if I increasingly teach myself that all I need is more faith and more prayer than what I'm fundamentally doing is I'm undermining my very relationship with the Lord. And what I want to do is have a relationship with the Lord that not just prays and gets results, but actually prays about what I'm going to pray about so I can learn what kind of results I'm supposed to get when the opportunity avails itself before I spin myself completely and don't accomplish what his heart is. There might be a scripture or two that looks like this. 1 John chapter 5. We probably won't get as far as I wanted to get, but uh, that will be okay too. John says, John says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. And this is the confidence that we have towards him. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we ask of him. The grammar's wonderful in that last clause there because it says, it says in the Greek, it says, and we know that if he hears us, then we already have the thing we ask of him. Because there is a confidence that comes into us. You may have noticed it in your own life before the result ever seems to come park on your doorstep. But there's a confidence that comes into your own heart and life where you know your prayer's been answered. You sort of lose interest in praying it. Somehow you know it's going to be okay, and it just doesn't have the anxiety or the excitement that goes with it. You go on to other things, and all of a sudden the answer comes in the mail or the answer comes on the phone call or some circumstance changes all of itself. You already know that you've had the answer of that. Now, this is a great portion of Scripture because there are some Subtle but real truths in this, and it's going to come back to some things that we've talked about before. But it says in verse thirteen again, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God. This is a, this is a beautiful preposition. The word in is used there, and the word in is used in some other places. And one of those words means within. This one's means into. Jacob quoted John three sixteen earlier, and it says in John three sixteen that whosoever believes in Him will have eternal life. That's not whosoever believes about him. That's not whoever believes the story. That is, whoever believes into him. And that means that I start off being a believer. I believe about him. I believe what I've read. But I don't get to stop there. And just like Gene was saying by the scriptures, that you have to take that and feed that, put that on the inside of you, so that those scriptures get on the inside of you. Jesus said, I'm in you, I'm in the Father, you're in me, we're in the Father, me and the Father are in you. That's a real thing, that's just not an abstract poem. We are predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son. This is a real thing, and children, this takes work. This doesn't happen because you go to church. This doesn't happen because you listen to good preachers. This happens because you change, you let your will be changed and conformed to His will. You'll all be familiar with this, but Jesus said, let these words sink down into your ears. It's the same word. So you know as well as I do that when you hear sounds, they don't sink down into you. But when you open your ears to listen, the truth that those words carry, even though they're of a different substance in your eardrums, those words, the truth itself, sinks down into the inside of you. Jesus said it probably a half a dozen different times and a half a dozen different places. He said things like, him who has an ear to hear. So some of us do, some of us don't. He who has an ear to hear, let him hear. Let him hear. Be willing to hear. So, listening to a preacher, the truth, the real truth, is not listening to the preacher it's not listening to the computer preach to you. As great as those things are, their only merit, my only merit is to say something to you in my broken, flawed way. That somehow in your own broken, flawed way comes into your ears, bounces around, you reject it, you don't like it, you don't like me You don't like church. You don't like this. You don't like that. You don't like to change. Who wants to change? Nobody wants to change. Don't raise your hands. That is a trick. Everybody likes the change that they think of. Nobody likes the change that somebody else thinks of. And nobody else likes the change that God thinks of. Because there's a reason we are who we are today. So he says, if you got an ear to hear it, let him hear it. Let these words sink down into your ears so that the Eternal Spirit of God who lives on the inside of you You came to live on the inside of you whether you let him have room or not when you were born again takes the substance of those words takes the essence of those words and changes the physicality of what you heard perhaps but makes truth come alive in your heart. Gene said Every day of my life's been governed. We both have. And this is, this is what's kept us married. This is what's kept us happy. It's what's kept us going the same direction. It's what's kept. We didn't stay married because we had good hearts. We didn't stay married because we had good people. We were good people. We didn't always like each other. Why are you just telling me this now? <laughs> Trust me, kids. I knew this. And I was not always likable. Gene, you've had your turn. I was not always likable she said that's right and she is right and she was always in this regard the better man than me because she was always gracious and overlooked overlooked like i didn't i didn't notice you didn't do that i didn't hear you not say that (laughs) it's always great and i've been very blessed but we did not always like each other we did not always like our life and most of us go through life and we've done this too where you have seasons of hardening your heart, turning off your affections, turning off your emotions towards people, and you cannot eventually but help but turn off your heart towards God when you let yourself turn your heart off towards people. This is why God says, hold all things together in the bond of unity. It's not because you say, I just hope these people are nice and they like each other. It's not that, it's because if they let that even get started into their hearts and lives, where they close their heart and their minds and their lives off to people, it won't stop with one person. It won't stop with that one offense they have. It won't stop with that. It'll end up coming right back to me and they'll keep me out of their heart and life all because of their own disappointments and offenses that they haven't dealt with. So when John 3.16 says, whoever believes into me, the idea is just like those words dropping down into your ear and becoming of a different substance and changing you. He's not just saying, can you believe this story? If you can believe this crazy story, you're gonna be saved. He's saying, that's the start, believing a crazy story about a guy raising from the dead and carrying everybody's sins. That's a start. He said, but every day of your life, you have to spend your life approaching that word, embracing that word, letting the spirit of God teach you with that word correct you with that word sometimes I have things in my ear have to have those little Q-tips I have things in my ear that prevent me from hearing sometimes in my relationship with Gene I've had things in my ear that kept me from hearing what Gene was really saying Sometimes in my life, I have things in my life that keep me from really doing the will of God because I think that my lifestyle, my attitudes, my beliefs and my relationships don't really matter. The Lord, who is the Lord of mercy, doesn't need my effort. I was going to talk to you about this, and I'm not going to go there, but... In 1 Timothy chapter 4, the Apostle Paul writing says to Timothy, calls God the Savior of all people, especially those who believe. Not only, but especially of those who believe. And then he goes on at the end of the chapter, and at the very last clause of the chapter, he has said to Timothy, if you do these things, you will both save yourself and those that hear you. In the middle of that chapter there, some of it's more pertinent than others parts of it might be, the idea is crystallized that there is a part that God does for you to be saved, but that you must work with that salvation. There are things that you have to do that you have not done enough of or you would not be on the planet any longer. There are things that you have to do to accommodate the workings of God so that his truth, the garden of his truth, ever grows richer and fuller into your heart and into your life. He says, if you are the kind of person, this is the same word that's used here, he said, I don't write this to everybody in the church. I write these things to you who believe, who are believing, ongoing sense, not there yet, but are practicing believing into the name of the Son of God. Not Hope City Church, not a doctrine, not a theological school, who are practicing, believing, coming into that name. In other words, Jean quoted out of Romans a while ago when she said, she made the statement, she said, We are to be conformed to the image of His Son, who are practicing, who practice more today than they did yesterday, being Christ like. And you can practice being Christ-like in your own strength, but you won't get very far, you won't stay very long. The only way you can practice and make it is if Christ is so real and alive in your heart that he is, oh, I hate this part, taking your personality and not just making it better, but he's changing who you are. What I've really resented about him the most, I love it when he does good stuff for me, but what I really resented the most is the stuff I wanted him to leave alone and let me be me. And he insisted in persisting to come into my life and ask me over and over since I said I really wanted to be like him if he would let me, by his truth, change who I was. Because what he's really after Is me being a different version of me. It doesn't mean he doesn't love me. It doesn't mean that he won't let me just be the same guy the rest of my life. But if I'm serious about this, if I'm serious about being a Christian, there is that push that says, I want to be like you. Uh, You know what, Bob? You're not there yet. I really want to be like you, Lord. I love you, Lord. I want to see your glory. You want to see my glory? That I'm going to put people in your life that show you who you could be, what you could be, how you need to change. It's not pretty. You'll see my glory because what you'll find in the midst of that is my grace and my power working on the inside of you to enable you to change. Gene quoted Romans again. Where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. It's the intent of where your heart's at. Then he says, then he says, This is the confidence that we have towards him that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Well, of course he hears us because we come to know his will by the time we get to to the place where we open our mouth and start asking for things. We know what we're supposed to ask for. And by the context, by the way, this is really a great portion of scripture about intercession. It's not really about this, this portion of scripture. It's not about getting your needs met. This portion of scripture is about since you got your prayer life working, how about you pray for some of those around you that aren't quite there yet, and that you pray for them to be forgiven for the things that they've done or not done. That's what the context of this whole chapter is. Since you got your prayer life going, why don't, you, uh, why don't you use it for somebody else's benefit? But this is only for the grown-ups. This is only for the adults who are prepared to say, I'm growing up into him. Then it says you can have a life that says "Then we know that we have the things we ask. One more portion of Scripture, and I promise to be quick. John chapter eight, no, excuse me, John chapter 14. By the way, for time's sake, I didn't say it, but it, I was afraid to look at it. But in the uh, ears part of your body in hebrews chapter 10 verse five or so it says sacrifice and offerings you did not desire but you prepared a body for me i've come as it's written in the volume of the book to do your will O god that that psalm there is quoted at psalm chapter 40 and you can look at this sometime if you're interested but psalm, psalm chapter 40 verse 6 through 8 says the same thing it says in hebrews chapter 10 5 through 7 i think it's passage where it's at Psalms 40 says a little bit more detail it says you have given me an ear to hear it says in the margin of my Bible that you dug out my ear you dug out my ear Isaiah 50 says you'll speak as a disciple you'll speak as it's verse 4 says you'll speak as one trained but before it says that and I'll awaken you every morning so that you hear as a disciple so that you hear as one disciplined, as you hear as one trained. Your body can't be offered in service to God if your hearing isn't. Your hearing has to be offered in service to God for anything that you do to really have the promise of achieving the results he's after. 14 verse eight, three and a half years into the game, almost at the end, last end zone, Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father and it's enough for us. Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long and you still do not know me, Philip? That had to be heartbreaking. Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, how can you say, how can you be here all this time? How can you be in this parking lot all this time and still not show God, know who God is? How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am within the Father and the Father is within me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells within me does this work. Believe me that I'm in the Father and the Father is within me, or else believe on account of the works themselves. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes into me, into me, Becoming into me, and you can look it up. It's a solid Greek word It's sometimes one place in the Bible at least it was translated as the word one it means The two shall come together and become one flesh It's it's more and just like when you come together the ultimate the ultimate proof of that. It's not Fair to say it applies to everybody everywhere But the ultimate proof is in having children a child is the one flesh produced by the oneness of of the couple. <clears throat> so he says, if you believe into me, same idea, penetration, same idea, change, something more comes out that's more than just one and one. The three is a whole lot different than the one and the one were. It's a whole lot of a, it's a different game altogether. Whoever believes into me will also do the works that I do. Sometimes I say, why don't we see the works, and we see them in spots, we see them here there, but we don't see people actually doing the works consistently in their life. Why is that? We'd like to say it was because there wasn't enough faith. And maybe in one awkward sense this is true, but what if it's as simple as there's not that many people who have decided to become one with Christ, but yet the invitation remains open for all? Whoever believes into me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do because I am going to the Father. Whatsoever you ask within my name, representing all that my name represents, the Amplified says something close to that, showing forth who I am, that's not just you signing a check. That's you operating within a sphere. There are things that are within his name, And there are things that are not within his name. This I will do, that the Father may be glorified within the Son. If you ask me anything within my name, I will do it. As we probably talked before that phrase there, if you ask me anything within my name, I will do it. You know, it's bad grammar to say, if you ask me anything within my name, I will do it. Because you're doing it, it's already within his name so what he's saying there's not what seems to be on the surface he's not just saying like if you ask it and and you invoke the name of jesus you have to be so in twisted involved in what that name is what that name says what that name stands for what that name means who that name is that name has boundaries there are things i can't ask in that name that name has roadways there are things i have to ask in that name that name is just not a free token for me to use it and cash it in anytime I want something. That's, that implies when Jesus spoke about this truth, what's over in 1 John, John listened to him say these things. That name underlies the truth that you have to move towards him and you have to do the prayer, the hard work of prayer is in finding out what you should actually pray about. And how you should actually pray it. Years to come. Whatever happens in the world. COVID-24. We haven't seen the end of the workings of the flesh. And we haven't seen the end of the workings of the devil. We have not seen the end of the church. We have not yet seen... The church's best days. The church needs men and women, young and old, just like yourselves, who are able and willing to say, no matter what's happened before, no matter where I didn't move into the will of God when I knew it was the will of God, no matter what kind of mistakes I think I've got in my life that have disqualified me, the church needs you. You, people like you, you, regardless of last year or five years ago, the church needs you to be willing to stand up and say, if it's as easy as moving towards you and promising to hear your word and receive it, I will listen to what you have to say. I will let your word sink into my ear no matter what I have to change so that I can become more like you. Father, I pray. I pray for the men and women, the boys and girls that are here gathered today, that you would revive your word, that you'd revive your work in their heart, their life, and their midst. That you would, as you promised through the Apostle Paul, work in them all, both the will and the do of your good pleasure, to do all of your good pleasure, to do only your good pleasure, to do all of it. Encourage them and strengthen them, that they may understand and perceive that they are your chosen to live in this hour, for this hour, demonstrating your glory and your beauty here on this earth. I bless them in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you all very much. Thanks so much for joining us today.